This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potawitch to the north, Jawajali to the east, Bowendik to the south and Mitung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host, Meg Bell, and today I'm here with Bull Lagoon farmer Dean Eastwood and Dr Sean McGrath from the Millicent Vet Clinic. Dean is the chair of the MacKillop Operations Committee and he manages South Killanoola, which is at Bull Lagoon, where they run a cropping and summer irrigation program along with a prime lamb operation and a cattle breeding operation with an Angus and Pole Hereford herd. Sean, along with his wife Sarah, owns and operates the Millicent and Kingston Vet Clinics. Before settling in Millicent, Sean worked in Western Victoria and Southern Western Australia. Sean is a production animal vet with a growing focus on working with farmers to ensure productivity is maximised through on-farm management practices such as animal health programs and feed budget assessments. Thank you very much for being here, Sean and Dean. Dean, tell us a bit about how you first got into farming. Family are four generations. Dad was a chicken farmer. I didn't really want to be a chicken farmer. It really didn't really appeal to me. Uh, so, yeah, I've always, I mean, I suppose I don't know, since the day I was born, I suppose that's all I've ever wanted to do. Started out as an apprentice, milking dairy cows. So that's how we got into the industry. And how did you end up where you are now? Uh, it's been a, probably a long journey. We uh, share farm, milk cows for a fair while. About 10 years we milked cows. And then we transitioned, wanted to change, uh, but still wanted to stay in farming. So I went beef and sheep managing in West Gippsland. And got to 35 and wanted another challenge and via Tasmania we've ended up nine years ago last week in South Australia for Seymour's. Excellent. It's good. Congratulations on the anniversary. It is, it's nice, it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the South Killanola farming business. South Killanola is a pretty historic place. We've, uh, Seymour's had it since 1847, it's still held by the family. We're a mixed operation, we do about 800 hectares of crop and then we run about 900 cows and a composite, about 7,500 composite ewes. So mainly now we're in a finishing program and now we're into a, money into a store program for them. Sean, tell us a bit about why you chose to become a vet. Oh, look, so my father was a vet, so I grew up watching that happen and uh, ran his own business there at Millicent. And then we also ended up with some farmland. So, yeah, just wanting to probably work on the land, work on farms, spent a bit of time you know in shearing sheds and being a farm hand and stuff and so just enjoyed all that and then obviously um but just wanted to use my brain a bit more as well so yeah that's probably where how i ended up there i think so sean tell us a bit about why you decided you wanted to work with farmers on a more preventative basis i guess than than vet work maybe might allow you to ordinarily i guess uh you know i think the perception is for a lot of vets is to be out there maybe preg testing or pulling calves and doing the sort of you know day-to-day fire fire truck stuff but I think we you know we had a pretty good training where I went to uni in Wagga which was a lot about preventative stuff but also just uh, production you know farm production sort of science really yeah so I really enjoy that side of things of working with farmers sort of on the way they can improve production or you know run a preventative for a, a farm or, or a system that um, doesn't need as much you know day-to-day intervention so yeah that's uh, what I really enjoy and you know it all comes back from a tr- from our training I think that we had which is really good. 
You've been working with our Limestone Coast Beef Producer Group. Tell us a bit about what the group's been focusing on and what do you think the benefits have been so far? It's been a pretty broad broad thing, but I guess the, the core focus has been around heifer production and getting heifers pregnant for the first time and then getting them back pregnant again the second time round, which is usually the challenge. And I guess initially when we floated the idea, spoke about with Elke and, and Tim Prance, you know, it was sort of a bit around sort of heck, what we do in terms of animal health. And we sort of, you know, talked it out and sort of thought, well, if we we look at animal health in the context of of just um, getting heifers pregnant and then pregnant again, how does that look? And so, yeah, we've landed at this program where we're following heifers through, tracking their sort of weights and their growth patterns and and then also the, the feed that's available to them through those periods and how that affects their, their ability to get in calf and get in calf again. But then specifically, so that's sort of what the group does broadly, but specifically we've had sort of sessions on genetics, bull, bull assessments, tips on calving, calf scale management, AI, time of calving. Um, so yeah, lots of different things that are all pertinent to the, the beef, beef production cycle. Do you think it's changed the way that some of the businesses involved have been operating or are operating? I think, yeah, a few of them um, it's probably, yeah, maybe opening their eyes or yeah, they're certainly seeing the value uh, I guess in nutrition especially how that plays a role and can also be managed and manipulated, so yeah, I think that's probably one thing that's coming out out of it. Dean, you just happen to be a member of the Limestone Coast Beef Producer Group. I am, aren't I? Lucky. <laughs> How do you think it's benefited your business being involved with the group? It has opened my eyes a fair bit. Um, look, I suppose initially we joined because it's just nice to get off farm and have a look at everyone else's business and see what everyone else does and pick their brains and meet other people. You sort of get a bit stuck in your own little circle nothing wrong with our circle but you know it's nice to get out and meet a heap of other fellas and you know probably extend your your social network a bit and then from that point of view you know being challenged a bit the nutrition side's been really good for me uh we really enjoyed that probably with sean's help last year probably a bit end of a season didn't end of a tough autumn didn't help that we've sort of had to send some cattle away that we're not going to quite see the data out of that but it's also helped us open our business and open my eyes to probably some major changes in the business that maybe I wouldn't have looked at. And certainly it's been good to have a bit of support within the group to, you know, chat to everyone about what we do and what changes we might look at doing. Yeah, that's great. Have you got anything specific in mind that you think you're going to be implementing? We are seriously considering changing from an autumn to a spring calving herd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a pretty big... It's a major change. Mm-hmm. So it's... um. It's probably been with Sean's help. Well, we've probably been kicking it around for 12 months now. Mm-hmm. We haven't quite made the decision yet as to what we're going to do. I suppose I jokingly say I don't want it to be the best decision that the previous manager ever made or yeah. the last decision the previous <laughs> manager ever made. <laughs> it's a big, big step and we can only make it once. Yes. We want to make sure we've done it for all the right decisions. But, yeah, so looking to change from a weaner production system to a uh, heavy feeder steer system carrying cattle right through the spring. So it's a, it's a major change in how and a production system and how we do it we're doing that and yeah probably not far off making some decisions on that in the next probably four months okay yeah that's a big step it's good to hear that the groups sort of helped you to understand that and probably support you in that decision making process a bit too yeah and it was good we had a day at home back 
I don't know when it was, August. maybe in August. August. Mm. And we just we opened it up to the floor, and I reckon it was the best sort of three quarts an hour and just putting their hand up and saying, oh, I've done this and I did that. And it was really good. It was really, you know, it was a fantastic sort of, for me, yeah, it was really good to mm. have men and chat to those guys over lunch and say, oh, I'd have done this or I'd do that. So it was fantastic. Excellent. Is there anything that you've implemented so far that's that you've applied to help the reproduction of your heifers a- apart from that, thinking about that shift from autumn to spring calving? Yeah, we've, we've the last two years or three years, especially last season, we were certainly more targeted on feeding required MEs to growth and different classes. Like we had two different weighted stocks, so, you know, making sure that, you know, they all pretty well hit a, a production target or a, a mating weighted target in May. So that was we drove that a fair bit because we'd, we'd seen in our data that we hadn't probably been hitting our what we felt was probably a good performance target for the heifers. It's just, as I said, it's just unfortunate that... Uh, we did all the hard work through the autumn and fed them really well, got to mating, and then we had to make a decision due to a very tough autumn to send the cattle on adjustment and due to a number of reasons and the fact that it won't stop raining in the Western Division, uh-huh. we're going to lose some of that data that would have been really handy for this coming year. But but, but in saying that, you know, it was, it's still good, it was still a good learning curve. Do you think that being involved with the group has made you think about that decision-making process a bit more? Absolutely. Yeah, it really yeah. has. And, we, you know, it just makes you question everything. You know, we probably all get a bit set in our management style and how we do things, and it certainly made me question how we feed them. Animal health, you know, do we, you know, we probably throw a little bit at them. Is that really justified? Do we really need to throw so much at them, or do we need to throw a bit more money at them or a bit more animal health stuff at them at different times? So, yeah, it's certainly, yeah, um, it's, it's certainly opened my eyes to that, which has been really good. Yeah. Sean, tell us a bit about what you've got planned for the next little while with the group. Well, with the group specifically, I think I think probably the, probably moving to the last year of the actual PDS, and so it's probably going to be about uh, getting some data together and trying to aggregate that. And you know, I'd really love to be able to see you know some links between you know heifer weights and conception rates, and then rebreeding rates, and, and you know that'd be the that'd be the ideal if we can see that, and and even marry it up with sort of what sort of feed was on offer at, at those times. And you know, it's easy. You know, I certainly find when we're out around the country pre testing and if we get a bad result and um you know you try to say well you know it could have been the feed at the time you know it's easy to forget how tough an autumn was when you're preg testing in october or november so mm. so i think that yeah it'll be good if we can get that data to really um to sort of put that drive that message home it'll be really good yeah it'll be great to get a bit more regional context around how our herds are doing i think won't it yeah mm. yeah yeah so what about what's what's next for you and your work that you're doing with with producers on ground as opposed to the vet work as such oh yeah well it's all vet work isn't it Meg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i guess it all is in a way <laughs> yeah 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 i'm probably going to focus a little bit more try and get to some bit more individual stuff i've got a one and might start another small heifer for profit group which is kind of like the lifetime year for heifers which has just sort of become available so I've got one of those going at the moment but yeah sort of just trying to get a little bit more activity happening one-on-one with people with either looking at animal health plans or even production you know sort of consultancy and looking at their systems and farming systems and that sort of thing so 
it'll be great to have um, some more people around that can give us that expertise in the area. Dean, as chair of our MacKillop Pops Committee, tell us a bit about what you get out of being involved with MacKillop Group. It's probably opened my eyes a fair bit. I, you know, I, I probably not foolishly. I made a comment to you one day, didn't I, Meg? Prior to being on the board, I rang up and complained about something, and I think the comment was, "If you want to fix it, you probably need to be involved." Uh, and that's actually been pretty good, actually. I've actually really enjoyed it. It's opened my eyes up to the, you know, I suppose that we're involved with the cropping side, but certainly a bit more involved with that. Um, a bit more of the back politics of what's going on in the industry, and you know where the money is or where the money isn't. Again, it's been really great networking with guys that I, I probably wouldn't have had much to do with. Uh, I probably enjoy that. Probably, to, you know, it probably annoys you a little bit, Meg, but I quite enjoy that bit a fair bit. You know, it's really good. So it's and you know, I've probably it's allowed me hopefully to put a bit of input into what's happening locally uh, and try and sort of target that to hopefully guys like myself that are uh, that are wanting to do a bit more and, and seek a bit more extension i think it's really good to have people like you involved and also Remember that Meg. yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> and also it's really good that you're open to trying things on your farm and that you bring ideas to the table for us which is yeah really great you've talked a bit about the switch from autumn to spring carving what else is next on farm for you that's probably the big. Well, look, we, the, the whole business is looking to change a bit, and I suppose that's you know we've been a, we've on our land production side of thing. We've been a very focused on land finishing, uh, due to a, probably a heap of things. It's it's a, a change in structure within the cropping side of the business. We've lost a bit of lease country labour. Uh, we've just decided as a business that we're just going to simplify it. And I think everyone's I know everyone I talk to is sort of just trying to make it a little bit simpler been really good having lots of things happen but labor where it is and probably just getting to a point where i've not i've had enough i just it would be nice just to take the foot off a little bit we've just changed that production system so not the greatest year to go in it no do we want to be selling store lambs at the moment it's not real pretty but (laughs) i suppose if we can do it in a year like this it's a good year for it that's probably the biggest change we won't change much we're pretty well pretty well wide pretty hard on that lambing side of it and and lamb survival so nothing much will change there and then obviously this the, the obviously the spring calving is probably the big one in the cow herd and how we do that so that's probably the big one so let the sheep job settle as it is at the moment we've probably found a nice level at about seven and a half thousand years we think that's pretty good at the minute uh, we think there's certainly some room for improvement through uh, some more infrastructure on the property but uh, we'll just let things settle for the minute, have a breath, sort this carving thing out, and then go from there. Yeah, sounds exciting. It is. Challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any learnings or suggestions that you might like to make to anybody who's listening who's sort of thinking about half getting involved with something or half making a change on their farm? Be open to it. You know, we all can be a bit, no, I've done it this way, or, you know. I'm probably a little bit lucky because I've been on the, never been in the owner side of it. So, you know, it's not, I don't have to worry what dad did because, you know, my dad, you know, my dad grew chickens. So, you know, it <laughs> uh, wasn't really an issue for me. But, but you know, look at different operations and, and look at things differently. I've been very lucky that I've come from a dairy background into beef and sheep, spent a bit of time in the milk industry, 
it sort of gives you a bit of a different look on things. Yeah, be open to change and still accept challenges. Sean, tell us a bit about what you're getting out of the group. We're, we've sort of talked about what you're giving, but what, what are you getting out of being involved with the group? I've really enjoyed being part of the group. I think it's quite a good format in the way it's, it's run and delivered. You know, I really enjoy the really open and frank discussions that people have and, you know, it sort of conversation zips around the room really well and, you know, you know, everyone's happy to put their hand up and speak their mind, but, yeah, just get some really interesting discussion and I find that really stimulating and I get a lot out of that and, you know, everyone's got a different view on things and so, yeah, I, I find that really good and, and then a bit like Dean said, just, you know, getting to meet different people and seeing a few, you know, a few different operations. So, yeah, it's really good. What happens when you get asked tricky questions and you don't know the answers? <laughs> Just uh, front up and say you don't know. <laughs> it's the easiest way. <laughs> that wouldn't happen too often, I'm sure. Oh, that no, does happen. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Sean, have you had any surprises come from the group? People have, who've done something that you didn't think would work or people who haven't done something that you think wouldn't work? That's. I think that's what the good part of the group is that you... you know, People have got different takes on things and it all contributes. So, yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about what your top tips for joining heifers would be and maybe it's some tips that you might have picked up from people in the group or maybe it's some of the science that, that's being put into practice. Yeah, so I think still at the end of the day that critical mating weight is still the most important thing to try and achieve and, you know, there's can be quite a bit of uh, discussion around what that should be but i still think that the target of 65 percent of your mature cow weight is still still what you should be aiming for and that'll give you the best chance of getting a good conception rate in a tight joining period so yeah that's still my you know take home message i think how might people achieve that 65 percent um critical mating weight target what's the what's the, one of the best ways or what are some of the best ways to do that down here well, it sort of starts with that the old adage of manage, you know, measure to manage. So, you know, if you're not weighing stock, um, you know, you can't uh, you can't be you know doing anything about it. So, you got to start by weighing heifers and weighing them well before mating. You know, probably from weaning for a start, and then you know you can sort of start to work out what sort of um, growth rates they've got to do to hit that target weight. You know, come mating time, and then you can start to adjust your feed accordingly and supplementary feeding. So. Yeah, step one's weighing them and, and then go from there. And the project's sort of been following heifers right through to when they have their second calf. What have you learnt or what has the group learnt about doing that rejoining? Because we know that often that can be a real problematic time, really hard to get cows back in calf after number one. Well, we, sort of, we haven't really got the data back yet from the group but i suppose um you know what all the science has always always told us is that if we can get those heifers to another benchmark of 85 or 90 percent of their mature cow weight come calving time for the first time then they're at a better chance of um of rebreeding the second time and a bit of condition score comes into that as well so if you know if, so if they're if they're well grown and they've got good condition at at calving then they're at their best chance to get calf the second time and once again, it comes down to measuring something so that you can manage it accordingly. Yeah. Dean, have you seen any changes with keeping that sort of 
rule in mind or those rules in mind that Sean's mentioned? Yeah, we have. I mean, I, look, to be honest, we haven't probably hit where we should be with our, in, like our heifers, but certainly getting those second, those second carvers to go around again. I think the secret seems to be don't take your foot off the throttle on them. That seems to be the secret to it. So, you know, probably where in years past the old theory's been, you know, that last 60 days, you know, you you, you don't feed them too much and you keep them on, you know, don't let them, you know, because you don't want a big calf. Well, you know, not our theory now is, and it was Sean's sort of advice, is that just, just keep feeding them. Just keep putting the feed in them. And we start feeding earlier now. So, you know, really... Uh, the first round of our heifers will carve in about the 19th of February uh, at the moment and we'll start sup feed pretty well straight away onto them. Um, let the old cows... Now, the old cows are fine, but, yeah, that seems to be the secret. Don't take your foot off them too much. Mm. Let them just keep the feed in them and prioritise them. Well, Dean and Sean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Today's episode was made possible with funding from Meat and Livestock Australia and the MLA Donor Company as part of their producer demonstration site program. We thank all of the producers in the Limestone Coast Beef Producer Group and their contributions which helped to make this project possible. Thank you for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a McKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at McKillop Group or check out our website at mckillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time.